Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. Hello, Ms. Powell. Hello, Brother Kapal. Today is Freedom Friday show, November 1st, 2019. And today's scripture I have is Psalm 96, and we'll start with verse, verse 9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigns, and the world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. And let the field be joyful, and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness, and the people with his truth. Amen. And we know there's only one truth now, don't we? Yeah, and that truth will set you free, Mr. Powell. Amen. Mr. Powell, set you free. Set you free. We want to thank everybody for praying for us. Yes, and please continue. Yeah. Tony and Susan Lee. Yes, pray thank for you. Us. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Very, very sweet. Uh, we are doing better incrementally. Last mm-hmm. night we actually slept, what, from, was it 9.30? 9.30. No, 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 it was later than that. Oh. No, it was 9.30. Yeah. 9.30 to 2, yeah. got up, and then we slept all the way till what, 5, 5.30. Yeah, which, which, which is, is unheard like, of. Unprecedented. In fact, I slept so well, I was actually a little sleepy today, but not the sleepy, like tired, more like relaxed, just relaxed, lazy. So that's yeah, pretty but good. So your prayers are being answered. So continue to pray, please. Yeah, we do believe that. It's just, uh, man, these demonic attacks are on like so many people mm-hmm. that we know, you know, they take it on different forms and different ways. You know, there's, you know, not the same. It depends on the person, you know, mm-hmm. what they're. Um, you know, where they're at mentally and, you know, thought process and things, how, how the attacks happen. But, oh my goodness, they're everywhere. A lot of people sick mm-hmm. too. Strange illnesses. Can't figure out. Just, man, it's like, I don't know if like the, the gates of hell have been open, <laughs> you know, the portals. I, you know, I really don't know that because I, I, I will admit, and you all know that, you know, I just, um, I'm not a, a, the book of revelation expert at any no. stretch of the imagination. So I, I, it's, it's hard for me to determine what was, what, what was, when, what will be, you know, and I know there's a lot of teaching and people out there on the book of revelation, but, um, I'm listening to uh, somebody right now that I, I'm hoping will clarify some things for me, mm-hmm. uh, because he's a very good Bible teacher. He very, he is. And, uh, so I'm hoping at least he'll clarify some things for me on that. But anyway, it almost seems like the, the key to the bottomless pit, man. Like, you know what I mean, Abaddon has, has come and let out the hordes of demons because it's like, it's the whole atmosphere mm-hmm. 
of the culture and everything has just changed. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's, it's just darker, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really amazing. So, so our, our brethren need prayer. What does Peter say? Uh, don't be shocked. Mm-hmm. Don't be like surprised when you go through these fiery trials. Mm-hmm. Because um, your brothers and sisters are going through them as well. Mm-hmm. So. And um, yeah, I don't think you're going to, you know, meet a Christian who's like, oh, everything's great. Joy of the Lord's voice, drink the wake of it. If they do, it won't be long before mm-hmm. they, you know, because part of it's the suffering you go through here. You know, it's. You well, know, it's that uh, wrestling match. Yeah. You know, the righteous with the unrighteous, the evil and the good, the dark and the light. It's that contending for the faith. It's that wrestling. And I used to think it was just a contending, you know, with with the darkness on the outside. And it is. You're fighting the world. You're fighting... Oh, you're fighting the world, the, the flesh and the devil. And the devil. Um, you know, it's, it, that's a satanic triangle. So, but it's not just... Um, it's not just like one at a time, you know. Mm-mm. It's not like a Bruce Lee movie where he only gets attacked once at a time. You know, it's like you never see 20, 20 guys attack Bruce Lee. It, you know, it's like so you can be attacking the world or defending yourself against the world, but at the same time, then you have all kinds of struggles in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And then you're like you're dealing with your flesh, and all of a sudden Satan comes in and just whacks you, and then then that gets your flesh going more, and then you know, uh, and um, <laughs> yeah, and it's that suffering, it's that. Um, it really is going through those trials and those tribulations and those um, oh, the refinement. It's it's all of that. It's it's kind of a weird, you know, in a real sense. To be honest with you, sometimes it's a very strange, strange thing we do. <laughs> yeah. You know, because on one hand, you're looking for the peace, mm-hmm. uh, the agape, the love, and the joy. That's in God, and then on the other hand, you know, you're 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 doing this hellacious battle uh, in darkness, and sometimes you feel very all alone. And um, you know, when especially when things don't work, you know, like you always believe they should work, right? You know, I go, all right, demon, in the name of Jesus, get out of here, boom, and you know, they should go. Well, then I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you go, well, why? And then, uh oh, and then what do you do now? And so you're contending and growing, uh, but it's it's hard to hold that dichotomy to go, well, are you at peace? Well, the definition of peace means you're not in war, mm-hmm. but like I'm constantly in war. So it's like, no, I'm not in peace. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. well, do you have the peace of God? Well, I guess so. You know, so it's, it's this weird kind of a psychotic up and down uh, deal. I don't want to be negative or something. I'm just being honest. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, so we're str- you struggle with that. And it maybe it's probably because of my lack of learning and understanding, obviously. But um, when I when I figure it out, or if you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> well, yeah. But you, you know, know, too, with the uh, the peace of Christ, too, we because of the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Uh, one of the ways that we have peace is that we actually do have peace with God because we, through Christ, we've been reconciled to Him. Yeah. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. I mean, mm-hmm. we have our peace that we have eternal life. But the peace that comes from within, that's guarding the heart and the mind, of, yeah. is sometimes is yeah. So you, some, sometimes you got to struggle with that. But you're right. When you look at, like, I have no doubt my name's written in the, the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't. I don't have a doubt about that. Um, you know, though I take heed, but I don't have a doubt about that. So that's I have a peace there. Um, that if I were to die right now, that a, a meteorite 
would come through the, the roof um, and hit me on the noggin that I would be okay. But yet it's like Ms. Kapow said, it's that daily struggle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like, wow, are you really at rest? Are you really at peace? Well, eh, no. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Um, no. Um, how about joy? I, what's joy? Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the definition of joy and joyous? <laughs> I don't know. So, But you got to... You know, your faith? Yeah, your faith is strong. Your faith in Christ, thats because that's all you can faith in when you're like that. Anyway, I'm off topic here. I don't know. I'm doing a Monday show on a Friday. Here we go. <laughs> <clears throat> here we go. Uh, it's from WND. So actually today was pretty good. We have like three um, three bad stories, three, three nasty stories. But three really good ones. And I they're did, really sweet. Yeah, three good ones. Three good ones. Um, that... Uh, find some good good news in there so that's kind of cool which is highly unusual to find yeah because you're, you're you know struggling just to find one sometimes yeah and i appreciate all those who who send these to me now so i get uh, i'm getting some uh well you know obviously juan is sending to me heather robles have sent me some and you know i'm getting some from some others so i appreciate it mm-hmm. i how do you say appreciate it i appreciate it man uh, okay, here's a judge. He's a federal judge, and he okays attacks on major Christian ministry as a hate group. Mm. Yeah. Mm. This is weird stuff here. A federal judge has made a decision protecting the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, which has a practice of labeling Christian organizations as hate groups. Uh, that just about anyone can be labeled a hate group. His name is Judge Myron H. Thompson, and he found that the definitions of hate group vary so widely that the slam is protected by the First Amendment, even if it causes harm. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. The definition of hate group varies so widely, folks, that it's protected under the First Amendment, even if it harms somebody by labeling my hate group. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right to you? No, that doesn't sound right to me. But yet, if you were, if you were, um, like in this show, I'm going to talk about some transgender stuff, some transgender paintings that are just absolutely disgusting. And of course, if that got out, or if I was a, a big ministry or a political guy, and I were to say these paintings of transgenders, uh, are disgusting to me. Well, that's hate. But according to the federal judge, it's um. Well, even if it causes you harm by me saying that you're a weirdo and got mental illness, it's protected under the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. But I bet you it wouldn't be Yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. I bet you, Ms. Capel. I bet you too. So the ruling came in a case brought by D. James Kennedy Ministries against the Southern Poverty Law Center, which routinely labels anyone who di- disagrees with its pro-transgender, pro-homosexual, mm. pro-abortion agenda as a hater or a hate group. In fact, the ministry which is appealing the ruling had been prevented from participating in an online donation program because of the label. Mm-mm-mm. Well, the judge says the term hate group has no single commonly understood meaning. So he took judicial notice that neither Black's Law Dictionary Merriam-Webster, Oxford English Dictionary. None of it defines the term hate group. And that reinforced his decision. (laughs) 
He said that uh, there is no single commonly understood meaning of the term hate group. What does that mean? Rather, as shown by the conflicting definitions, the term does not have one precise definition and instead may be ascribed to multiple different meanings by the average reader. Well, why do we even use that term then? Yeah. Huh? So it really is ambiguous. It just depends on who's using it against whom. Well, so it's like um, if I called you a, um, a sweater shoe. They're nothing but a bunch of sweater shoes. They said, well, there's no, that has no meaning, right? Mm-mm. Well, how then how could me calling somebody a sweater shoe prevent them from online donations? Yeah. Shouldn't have to. Shouldn't have to if it didn't mean anything. But of course it means something. <laughs> All right. So anybody get it? So anyway, uh, the ministry says on its website that infamous Southern Poverty Law Center has recklessly classified disciples of the gospel as purveyors of hate. They denounce pro-family groups that stand for traditional marriage, Ms. Kapow. God's rules for marriage is haters. And they want you to join the D. James Kennedy Ministries fight for religious freedom, stamp out discrimination against Christians and conservatives, and continue our bold defense of the truth. Uh, the ministry is appealing its case to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which is a whole lot better than the 9th Circuit, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the most liberal court in the nation. So this ministry was founded in 1974 by the late D. James Kennedy. That's right. And they filed this lawsuit in 2017. The charge is that the Southern Poverty Law Center illegally trafficked in false and misleading descriptions of the services offered by the ministry and committed defamation against it. It also alleges that the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center engaged in publishing false information. Mm. Um, CBN had explained that the ministry has been on the law center's hate map and denigrated as a hate group for teaching the traditional biblical position of marriage and sexuality. Apparently, the law center has a hate map, Ms. Capel. They actually have a map of hate, a hate map. Uh, you know this Beto O'York uh, presidential oh, yeah, yeah, candidate? Yeah. A few weeks ago, he said in a CNN town hall that as president, he would take away tax-exempt status from churches and organizations that adhere to a biblical ethic on same-sex marriage. Punishing traditional biblical beliefs now appears to be a mainstream position in the de- demonocratic party. Did I say demon? Demonocratic? Mm. That's why we have a sense of urgency to stand up against those like the law center working overtime to marginalize and silence us Christians. So anyway, um, it's actually uh, pretty serious stuff there. Yes, it is. You know, you know, and I used to think of, um, you know, we should just be living in, you know, in Christ and, um, you know, this, this stuff that happens in the world, you know, that, you know, we shouldn't be um, wasting our time fighting these groups because yeah. it's part of this world. Yeah. But you know, um, recently I came to realize that that's wrong. Yeah. We should be standing with these organi- religious organizations and standing up for truth mm-hmm. because that's what the Bible says that we're supposed to, um, expose these, um, these evils. That's right. Because we want to live in this world in peace so that we can further the gospel 
because when the darkness, when these people, um, these evil people win, then they restrict our right to proclaim the gospel. That's right. And so I was very wrong, and um, I apologize for that. I do repent of that because yeah. I see that it it is very needed and it's very important. It is. It is. And that's one of the reasons why we're talking about it today. Mm-hmm. You know, if anybody wants to support these guys, I don't have an address or anything, but it is the... Um, you can Google uh, it, though. Yeah, it is the D. James Kennedy Ministries. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a website, and um, it's a real lawsuit. They really do need help. You know, and, and uh, uh, if anything, just pray yeah. for these, for this situation. You yeah, know? exactly. And, you know, Ms. Capel's right. You, you know, it's like it's easy to sit back and go, oh, it's the world. They want to find. But, you know, you heard that statement when it comes to, like, Nazi Germany. You know, well, first they took away the, I don't know, they took away the Greeks and no mm-hmm. one said anything. And then they went and they took away the, you know, the, the Poles and no one said anything. Now they're coming for me. Mm-hmm. And no one's left to stand up and say anything, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, see, but as, as um, Christians, though, we do have to stand up for righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's it's biblical, yeah. so, you know. And now this um, D. James Kennedy Ministries is also known as the, um, I just saw it. Coral Ridge. Coral, Coral Ridge Ministries. C-O-R-A-L, Ridge Ministries. Yeah. So we Google that, then. Uh, yeah. Uh, because this other poverty law center, boy, it, once you allow people to start allow, you know, they could label this show a hate hate group. Mm-hmm. Now, Kapow Show is not going to really hurt us a whole lot, you know, because the three listeners that do listen to us, they'll be like, well, we don't care. Uh, but when you got bigger ministries and a lot of people and stuff, I could that can hurt them. Yeah, but even the smaller right. ones, you know, you just can't allow that to happen. Yeah. You know, it's like when you go to, you know, if you have a school that allows three gangbangers in there and you don't do anything well then they start um accumulating more people and now the gangs get bigger and you'll have more gang members than you do non-gang members because you didn't stop it yeah so i I think it's really important and uh the lord opened my eyes to that you're you're right you're actually right because it's the same way it was kind of like well you know these people have these fights here and this and that Mm -hmm. but no you're absolutely right if we don't get involved in that at least um, pray yes. about it yeah. and support them in prayer. Um, we're all in that same boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, why should why should you sit back and allow that kind of persecution? Right. And like the body of Christ, you know, we're supposed to be supporting and loving one another. So if that group is having um, contention with this other group, then we as part of that body of Christ needs to unite ourselves with them yeah. either in um actual helping protest that or in, at least in prayer yeah i agree you know, that's or financial support or you know however god leads you mm-hmm. yeah bearing one another's burdens that's right okay here's a guy that um well though you want to support him you can't no this is different yeah this is evil yeah he, I, I'm sure he did this out of frustration, um, but kind of the wrong way to do it, right? This is a Florida man who was arrested for attempting to barbecue child molesters. Now, he wasn't going to really eat them. He was just trying to kill them. Look at his face. He looks sorry, doesn't he? Mm. His name is uh, Jorge Oporto Sierra. He had a plan to, quote, barbecue all the child molesters and kill them. Now he's in jail. Now, let me say this. The place that he targeted was known 
well known to house child molesters mm -hmm. because the law says you can't be a thousand feet from a school or this or that or that. This particular hotel fit a criteria where uh, if a child molester lived there, it wouldn't conflict with the law. Hmm. So there was a lot of them housed there. So, and, and I also know from law enforcement, molesters like to hang around other molesters because they exchange info, info and pictures and things like that. So child molesting is like a community it's event. a network. Yes. Yeah. They like that. So anyway, this guy's 50 years old and he was trying to kill sex offenders and he was trying to set them on fire at the Friendly Village Inn and Motel in Kissimmee, Florida. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Note to self, never stay <laughs> at the Friendly Village Inn and Motel in Kissimmee, Florida. Note taken. If you're ever in Kissimmee, Florida... You need to repent and turn around <laughs> and go to another place. Yeah. Well, just the name. Kiss <clears throat> well, yeah, kissing me. Um, so anyway, there's this uh, detective said that the man admitted his plan and he has now been charged with four counts of attempted premeditated murder. Hmm. According to the Popo report, a man was standing outside of his room when, a, uh, when Porto Sierra jumped out of his car. He began screaming at the individual. Terrified, the man ran back into his room, prompting uh, this guy to break out one of the motel's windows and pour gasoline inside. The enraged Porto Sierra also reportedly yelled, you're going to die, child molester. I'm coming in. Now, I don't know how he knew this particular guy was a child molester. I probably watched him. <coughs> Not yeah. molest children or anything, yeah. but, you know, did a profile. Yeah. Meanwhile, the man and his roommate escaped to the back window. In addition... Porto Sierra allegedly attacked two other individuals inside a car in the hotel parking lot, first by pouring gasoline into the car through an open window. When the driver attempted to flee, he got into his black Ford Focus and started ramming their car. Mm. So this well, guy was pretty aggressive, bad. yeah. Yeah, he's pretty aggressive. Part of the neighborhood watch team got a little crazy with it, you know. Uh, when deputies arrived on the scene, they say that Jorge Porto Sierra surrendered right away. He waived his Miranda rights. He confessed, he told the authorities, they raped kids. They are child molesters that all live here and deserve to die. Now, they said that uh, here in, um, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this, Osceolo County mm -hmm. in Florida, it's known for being a sex offender haven. As it isn't in the restricted range of schools, playgrounds, and churches. And there's a history of registered sex offenders living at the Friendly Village Inn Hotel. Gee, look at that name, yeah. Friendly Village Inn. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, uh, the police asked Jorge why he didn't follow through with the plan to barbecue him. And he said, because you got here too soon. Mm. Because you got here too soon. So anyway, I'm not saying what he did was right. Of course it was wrong. But I can see that he was frustrated. Sure. I can see he was frustrated. Well, once again, you know, if the law yeah. and the legal system did what it was supposed to do, yeah. then you wouldn't have these uh, vigilantes. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Now, this is disgusting here. This, uh, this is, you know, this, these painting, Andy Warhol. What was that guy all about? I don't know. Uh, but th these paintings are like years old. 
mm-hmm. they're just now coming out. They were just found, and they're transgender. Mm. See what I mean? So this has been going, you know, we know that this has been going on from trans, transniquity. This has been going on since, I oh, mean, come from on. the beginning since, of Yeah. The- since the sons of God made it with the daughters of men and sure. created transgender nephi homos. I mean, this has been going on for thousands of years. It's part of the demonic urge. Andy Warhol's trans portraits to go on show at Tate Modern. Tate Modern. I guess that's an ex- exhibition. Mm-hmm. It'll feature one of artists' biggest but probably least known series of works. Looks like Prince. I don't know who that is. No, it looks like that little boy, doesn't it? What little boy? You know that little boy that does that transgender stuff that we don't like? Mm. Oh, yeah, but it could be because these things are old. Look at 1975. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I see what you're him. saying. So you just seen the, you're seeing the same spirit looking through the eyes of the paintbrush, because you're very discerning on that. A little known series of paintings of drag queens and trans women. What's a trans woman? What's a trans woman? What's the difference between a drag queen and a trans woman? I think they're really the same, I would imagine, except maybe, well, you know what I think it is? Maybe the drag queen is actually the man that just dresses as a woman but stays a man. But the trans women are men that actually have had And they think they're a woman all the time. Yeah, I'm thinking. So it's a matter of... They did the physical changes. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, but the bottom line is they're both biological male. Yeah, they're both men wanting to be women. Want to be women. Uh, so anyway, there's a little known series of paintings uh, of these uh, trannies and queenies by Andy Warhol. It's going to be part of a major exhibition being staged next year at the Tate Modern. And we're going. We're oh. getting tickets. I wouldn't even go if you I am me. wearing my, my, my sequin fish suit. Okay. <laughs> I got a fish suit. It's like a merman. And I'm wearing it. If I can get my belly in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're going as my eye candy, Miss Bath. You can be my eye candy. The London Gallery on Monday gave details of its first Warhol show for almost 20 years, which will explore the artist through the lenses of sexuality, mm. migration, death, and religion. Boy, that sounds wow. interesting. Hey, people know that the world's ending. Do they know that the Schumann residence is uh, the whole earth is vibrating, the sun's going dark, uh, mm-hmm. solar minimum, the world's crack and nuclear war? They don't know any of this stuff, do they? Okay. Highlights will include rarely loaned works, such as Lone. a 1980 portrait of Debbie Harry, and one of his final works, a 10 meter wide canvas titled 60 Last Suppers. What? No, what? Gonna, yeah. Why do you got to bring Jesus into this? <sighs> 60 Last Suppers being shown at the UK. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? I know. Isn't that irritating? It's very irritating. Why don't you just, why don't you take, why don't you do pictures? Why don't you draw pictures of your God? Yeah. The lying sack of Satan. Why don't you just, why don't you just paint pictures of that idiot? That fallen aim. Why don't you do that? That's right. Losers. The display of the 25 African-American and Latinx. What's a Latinx? Latinx? Drag queen. There's, There's words in here that don't even exist. They making them up. African American and Latinx, Latinx, L A T I N X, Latinx, drag queens and trans women. What's this trans women? They're trans. They're all. They're all. Uh. 
They were commissioned by the Italian art dealer Luciano Anselmino in 1974. So that's how old these are. And they were exhibited in uh, someplace in Italy the following year. Uh, it's one of his biggest series, but probably the least known. Cause so you can imagine in 74. Oh, they just waited, you know. Yeah. What was that? 40 years ago? 74? Something like that? You 45, know, 40? yeah, 45, yeah. So now, you're right. Now they just waited till Satan has made it acceptable. And people's minds are corrupted with crap. It's so like, yeah, they're eating this junk up because the, the, the world's ending. Um, and they need they need salvation, but they're doing this instead. You know, instead of looking for a savior, they're doing this. Mm, it's not good. Uh, so anyway, this guy named Tate almost stumbled on the works. I heard. Well, actually, his name is George Murr. He's a oh. D- D- Tate director oh, and George curator. Murr. Okay. Co-curator. He said he almost stumbled on the works. Co-curator. All right. I had heard that there might be paintings in existence. And I met the people who own them now and I went to visit them and it was quite the most remarkable thing. They were mostly in storage and it was just very beautiful and exciting to pull out these paintings and handle them and start to look through each and every work. So they were just spread all over the place. That's Deborah Harry. Um... Anyway, oh, the sitters, so the people that Warhol painted were all recruited from the Gilded Grape Bar off of Times Square. They were not originally named. Research by the Andy Warhol Foundation last year finally identified all but one of the 14. They included prominent figures such as Marsha Pay It No Mind Johnson, whatever that is, who played a key role in the Stonewall Uprising in 69. I'm really glad you don't know who that person is. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> <clears throat> Apparently, they co-founded the community group Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR. Interesting name, huh? STAR. Mm-hmm. Venus Lucifer was a falling star. Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. No, not familiar with it. Sorry. I'm ignorant. And these matters. The, the curators said the paintings were created at a time of growing public interest in gender fluidity. Really? In 74? I don't think so. I mean, you had long hair rock stars, but that was even before the glam rock of the 80s. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. It is rarely, it's really amazing. See, I think it's a lie. They want you to think that. Yeah. You're right. They're trying. They change history. They tell you because really the '70s, '74. No one was interested. There was no gender fluidity. '74. You were a male or a female. The stuff is is recent to this culture, even though it's been all around since uh, antiquity. It's recent here because mm-hmm. it's the, the the head that was wound. Wounded, coming back. I don't know, I'm making that up, but could be. <laughs> it's really amazing portrait of a community in New York at a particular time where trans people would and still do face a lot of injustice and harassment. You know what I think this is? I think he painted, I think this perv, Warhol, painted a bunch of drag queens. Drag queens have been with us ever since. The he, she's have been around. Oh, yeah. Since, for, you know, biblical yeah, that's, times. That's why really? we call them he, she's. Or she males. I mean, You've always known that. That's what they're called. 
transvest trannies, transvestites. This whole transgender or gender fluidity nonsense is recent uh, political correctness. So this, what this perv did is he went down to this bar and he painted a bunch of homosexuals dressed like women, drag queens, back in the 70s. That's all this is. Mm-hmm. It's just porn. And now they're saying it's... Yeah. So label me a hate group, but I think it sucks. I think Andy Warhol sucks. Yeah, and so now it's just more out in the open. Yeah. Well, this guy here, uh, somebody from the, the, the show said, Warhol was an artist who feels more relevant and influential today than ever. In today's climate, it feels important to take a more human and more personal look at somebody who is a very familiar artist. I just, I just... Yeah, I know what happened. I know what happened. He he just he painted a bunch of he painted a bunch of homosexuals and a bunch of drag queens because they're very unique subject matter to paint. For him. For him. Forty years later, now it's it's a thing. Now it's relevant. Yeah, now it's relevant. Yeah. So now that we figured that one out, next. Well, this one's <clears throat> one of the good stories that I liked. In fact, there's a picture of uh, this young boy uh, praying with oh, the, so these police. Oh, my God. I know. It's so cute. Anyways, it says the little boy asks the police officers at Chick-fil-A if he can pray over them. Now, isn't that sweet? It says a thoughtful gesture of a young boy from Texas is warming hearts across the world after a photo of him praying for police officers at the local Chick-fil-A was posted on Facebook. Kimberly Clarkstone captured the moment at a Chick-fil-A in Burleston, Texas on Thursday. Um, officer, uh, there was these uh, three officers were in line behind Stone when the boy, seven-year-old Wyatt, asked if he could pray for them. Right when they got in line, the little boy picture ran, ran up to them and asked them if he could pray over them. He grabbed their hands and prayed the sweetest prayer that I have ever heard. Wow. That is so sweet. And according to Stone, the boy thanked God for their service and asked him to protect them as they protected the community. Isn't that incredible how God used this seven-year-old boy oh, that's sweet. to speak I mean, I just peace. get chills. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And the picture's wonderful. The picture's absolutely wonderful. Praise the Lord. If you want to see it, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, Fifth Hook Media. Uh, if you don't want to go there, it's on westernjournal.com. I'm sure you could just Google it, too. Uh, but it's a great picture. Because there's, there's, uh, it looks like a female officer and a male officer, and they got their heads bowed and they're holding hands with this seven-year-old boy, like in a circle, praying. That's just, yeah, that is just beautiful, really. Praise the Lord. And he's praying over it. He's speaking peace over him. I mean, come on. And what does this uh, young boy have? What does God have planned for this young boy? Yes. You know. Yes. Wow. So Jessica Cox, who's Wyatt's mother, says she wasn't surprised when she saw that her son had stopped to pray for these three officers. My husband Keith and I try to model what it means to really walk out our faith. Mm. And one of the ways we do that is to pray for people. This was not a one-time occurrence. I have seen my son pray for people many, many times, and we have done that as a family as well. Laren Lyman, the wife of the rightmost officer in the picture, told the Western Journal that the picture evoked a, motion, a mixture of emotions. My initial reaction was a slew of emotions, pride, gratitude, shock. Who is this kid so I can hug him? Mm. We live in a world where my husband and his brothers in blue are hated and consent, condescended more than they are loved and respected. 
I expect for him to come home and tell me about the good, bad, and the ugly of his day. Most days, his stories are about the bad and the ugly. Thursday, his story was all good. That sweet boy put joy in a place where it's rarely found. That's amazing. You know what? Um, <clears throat> kudos for the parents. Mm-hmm. Because that's, well, that's where, it, where starts. it starts. Yeah. And here's this little seven-year-old boy not going. Oh, what are they going to think about me? Oh, are they going to reject me? Oh, what's the Southern uh, Poverty Law Center going to do? Is, he, is it going to label me as a hate crime? Oh my goodness, no. The Spirit moved him to go pray for those people. Mm-hmm. Pray peace over them. Wow. Praise the Lord. We Praise need more seven-year-old boys named Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. His simple act of faith is inspiring to others. How often do you pray for people you love, much less the people you do not know, much less pray for them in a public place, out loud for the world to hear, she told the Western Journal. Mom, that's true. Um, I, I like this. He didn't have any idea how desperately our family needed this encouragement. It's been the hardest year we've ever faced. Our trials have been hard to walk through. But wow. See, God knew. God knew. But the 30 seconds this young man spent praying with these officers reminded us of how we were able to walk out this season on the other side, adding that she and her husband are more encouraged to passionately and openly walk with Christ. Wow. See, Isn't that, wow. That's beautiful. Well, it, it just, just affected a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise your name. Um, since uh, the mom shared the photo... Or Stone shared the photo. It's been shared over 137,000 times. Has also been shared thousands of times on other Facebook pages. Um, the mother, her name is Cox, is not only proud of her son's willingness to encourage the police officers in such a sweet way, but she's also excited about how many people across the world have seen the post. I just truly believe that the Lord is putting this photo in front of the eyes that are meant to see it, she wrote. And even... If out of these thousands and thousands of people, one heart is truly changed for his glory, then it's all worth it. Praise the Lord. Man. Wow. Um, Lyman said she is eternally grateful for uh, Wyatt's prayers. He showed bravery in a, in a way few people are willing to and gave comfort that's hard to come by. The sweet little boy let light shine that day. And it was the most beautiful mm. blinding light I've ever seen. Wow. Wow, that just gives me chills. It does. Thank you. Thank Doesn't you, even Jesus. touch my gratitude for him. This is wow. uh, this is like the best story ever, isn't it? I, I love that last line. Uh, this boy, this sweet boy, let his light light shine that day, and it was the most beautiful blinding light I've ever seen. Isn't that amazing. We used to attend a, a church, wow, praise God. and um, the pastor's Thank wife Jesus. at the end of the service, every at the end of every service. She would she would pray over the congregation, mm-hmm. and then she'd say, "Go out and be salt and light." Remember that all yeah. the time. Go out and be salt and light. And um, boy, how true is that? Just go out and be salt and light, salt of the earth, light. Praise God for uh, Wyatt. Yes, Man, amen. I mean, that's just what a great what a great story. That's, that's an amazing that's, story. Yeah, we need to hear more of that. Here's another great story. We got three. We got three of them, folks. So this is freedom. This is freedom. Happy Friday. Yeah. This is crazy. I love this one, too. Oh, this one is a good one, too. Okay. Now, they don't say that this young man's a believer. But. You're going to go, Brother Kapow, you know, you're speculating as a believer. But the only way I say that is because of the work ethic he has, the the attitude this, this guy had. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that comes from God, right? Well, and plus he was blessed. Yeah. God blessed, blessed him with a car. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's this. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. As a student walks 20 miles to new job, so the CEO gifts him with a car. An Alabama college student walked 20 miles in the dark to get to his new job in an act of dedication that inspired the company's CEO to gift him a car. Walter Carr, that's funny. Yeah. Who couldn't find a ride after his car broke down, started walking from Homewood at midnight in order to arrive at his bellhop's moving job in Bellum by 8 a.m. Friday. Bellum police picked him up at 4 a.m. and took him to breakfast before (laughs) dropping him off at the home of customer Jenny Lamy. Well, stop right there. His car breaks down and he goes, I got to get to work. So he's walking to, to get to work. The cops see him, stop him, talk to him. He tells them his story. They pick him up and they buy him breakfast and then drop him off on his destination. That's incredible. That is incredible. Okay. So Lamy said Carr, despite walking for hours, declined her offer to rest and had plenty of energy for the job. So she started a GoFundMe page to help him with his car troubles. I just can't tell you how much, how touched I was by Walter and his journey. He is humble and kind and cheerful, and he had big dreams. He is hardworking and tough. After seeing the Facebook post, Bellhop CEO Luke Marklin drove from Tennessee to Alabama on Monday and uh, presented his dedicated new employee with his personal 2014 Ford Escape. Both Lamy and Marklin felt compelled to help Carr, who moved to the Birmingham area from New Orleans after he and his mother lost their home in Hurricane Katrina. Mm. Bless their hearts. Decisions in your life that are sometimes big and that you make pretty quickly because they're the right thing to do, and this was one of them. Carr, who hopes to be a U.S. Marine one day, made the late-night journey after his 2003 Nissan Altima broke down. He calculated it would take seven hours to get to his first moving gig with the Bellhops Moving Company. Seven hours it would take him to walk there. He was trekking along Highway 280 when concerned officers stopped to check out his well-being. After Carr told him his story, they bought him breakfast and before delivering to Lamy's home an hour and a half early. We all decided, hey, you know, let's get him some breakfast and get him somewhere safe. Proud to have encountered this young man, he certainly made an impact on us. Carr says he hopes his story inspires others to fight for what they want out of life, even if it means having sore feet. I wanted to show them that I have dedicated and that I always have it in my life that, and that I am going to get to this job one way or another. I tell people, if you think over 20 miles is a lot, then come walk in my shoes because my shoes was really killing me that day. Oh, gosh. That amazing. And the police were moved by his story. Yeah. Uh, so here you go. We got another guy. Uh, you got a little kid who goes and prays for police officers and, and changes lives. Then you got a guy here that changes lives by his action. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, too, that both these stories had... Um, a good light on police officers. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. so many times you think, you know, they, they have a bad reputation yeah. and, you know, being bullies and not doing the right thing, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But these two stories showed that these officers had kind hearts, really. 
Yeah. Even uh, the one with the little boy, oh, yeah. because they could have said, uh, no, thanks, yeah, we kid. Can't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we're kind in of, uniform. We can't hold hands and pray. Chick-fil-A, you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're in their, yeah, they're in yeah. uniform. They're yeah. grown men. They're going to yeah. have this little boy pray for them. Yeah, let's go into the corner. Here's a little sticker badge. You want a little sticker badge? Here's but, a coloring book. You but, know, they, yeah. but they allowed him to do that. Sure. And, I, and I think that's really sweet. Yeah. You know, they didn't break his spirit or, or anything. And the and, picture shows them, you know, they're holding hands with them, bowing their heads. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that says a lot about them, yeah. is what I'm saying. And then these other officers, yeah. you know, stopping this young man yeah. just, to, you know, for his well being. Yeah. Because it's four in the morning. Yeah. You know, what are you doing out in the forest? They hear morning? a story, then they go buy him breakfast and then take him to his job. Yeah, I think that's And then, then the lady who was moving said this, she said, you need to wrestle. No, he's working. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that the CEO, I mean, the brand new boss Actually says, drove. oh my gosh, I'm giving this guy my, this guy. He came yeah. personally. I think that's great. It's beautiful stories. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second. Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. Now, this store's a little different, and, and it's not about demons and exorcism. No. It's about the lady that was listening to the Spirit of God to go do something about it. And it's about the move of God's Spirit. Yes, because this lady was Praise a Pentecostal Christian who listened to the Holy Spirit. So that's what this story's about. So it's not a sensational story. It's a good story about the move of the Holy Spirit. So here it is. Um and you can't put God in a box, can you? No, you can't. This uh, this is an exorcism in Arkansas, and of course, the, you know the headlines are clickbait uh, about demons. But anyway, it says uh, Amy. This this is a trippy story. Uh, Amy Stamatis. Stamatis was left paralyzed below the waist after she plunged from the second story of her Circe home onto a brick patio back in November 2006. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, we'll find out why she plunged. The circumstances of the incident were unusual. Stamatis had climbed into an open window, was sitting on the seal when she fell. She insists she did not jump. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting was the year, 2006. 2006, yeah, that is interesting. But for months beforehand... Stamatis had been struggling with dark thoughts. She had heard voices telling her to kill herself and sought treatment from doctors and psychiatrists, but the voices didn't stop, okay? Stamatis believed she was going through a mental breakdown. After her fall, she was lying in a hospital bed when she was visited by a woman who claims to have raised the dead and healed the terminally ill through prayer. Like, oh, she claims to have raised the dead, right? Mm-hmm. The woman saw something in Stamatis that no one else had. 
She saw demons. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Stamatis began experiencing strange ailments seven months before her fall. So now we're going to go back in time, seven months before her fall in 2006. And here's here's what it is. Because when I was reading the story, I was going, well, she's she got demon possessed. She got demonized. Maybe she was in a witchcraft, the occult or something. Then I'm reading the story, I'm like, sounds like a pretty normal gal. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I don't know what her personal life is. But it wasn't like she was doing anything different. Um, So seven months before this fall, she was wrapping up a 24-hour shift as a Mediflight or a Medflight nurse. She's not an idiot. She was wrapping up a 24-hour shift as a Medflight nurse at Baptist Health Medical Center in Little Rock, Arkansas. And she was tasked with treating a burn patient. After wheeling him in on a stretcher and completing a report, she found herself wandering the halls of the emergency room aimlessly. So something happened to her. So was it the burn victim? Who was this guy? Was it just her time? Who knows? But mm-hmm. something weird happened to her. She's One moment she's working. She's a smart, intelligent nurse. The next moment, she got problems. Mm-hmm. So she, she she finds herself wandering the halls of the emergency room aimlessly, and it says she had suddenly forgotten how to do her job. After I took care of him, my mind went out the window, Stamata said. I was just blank. Hmm. I, I, I would love to know more about this. Who was that burn victim? Why? What happened? That was her first, that, I'm sorry, that was her final shift at the hospital. Stamatis, she's also a marathon runner, went home and was unable to run straight. She couldn't even perform simple tasks like picking out her clothes. She just went, I mean, suddenly. Stamatis told her husband she was having a nervous breakdown, which began a string of visits to doctors and psychiatric hospitals. She was diagnosed with different mental illnesses. Stamatis said the doctors prescribed her antidepressants like they were candy. Well, we know that. They give Xanax out like, oh, get out. But the voices continued and her behavior became unpredictable. She stripped out of her clothes at a family gathering with her in-laws. During visits to the hospital, she yelled at her former co-workers. A particularly tense episode happened when Stamatis and her husband traveled to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota looking for specialized treatment. While there, she broke away from doctors and climbed seven or eight stories up to the edge of a parking ramp and threatened to jump. Police and her husband talked her down. Can you? This is just torment. But the voices continued. Anyway, uh, the so now we're we're back in uh, in back from that. So that's what happened to her. She's just working, and one moment then she's demonized. Weird. I would love to know. More. Uh, the downtown Church of Christ in Circe held a prayer service for Stamatis after she fell. Now, among those in attendance was Cindy Lawson. She's a Pentecostal evangelist <laughs> who has performed about 10 exorcisms. Pentecostals call them demon castings, but the rite is fundamentally the same. So, you know, they got to tie it into Catholic. I mean, it's this is a ABC 7 writing this report. Mm-hmm. Lawson was not a member of the Church of Christ and had never met Stamatis, but she heard what happened and felt compelled to visit her. 
compelled. The Lord, she, quote, this is what she says, the Lord spoke to me and told me to go to the hospital to cast the demons out of her, Lawson said. I could feel something churning. Mm, praise what, the Lord. what is that, Ms. Capel? That's called the unction of the Holy Ghost. That's the, And a word of knowledge. Yes, that's a word of knowledge. That's the Holy Ghost. That's, that's urging somebody to go do something. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it, this gal says, yes, Lord, I'm here. I'm here, Lord. Send me. I'll send me. Stamatis had broken her back in three places, punctured both lungs, and broken her ribs. She said the injuries indicate that she did not brace herself for impact. None of the bones in her arms and legs were broken. Just kaboom. Lawson said that when she arrived at the hospital, Stamatis was wide-eyed. I could see the demons, Lawson Mm. said. A friend of Stamatis told her that Lawson was there to pray for her. According to Lawson, Stamatis, or something inside of her, growled in response. Why are you here? Stamatis snarled. That's a demon said that. Yeah, of course. Lawson brought out anointing oil, wiped it across Stamatis' forehead, and here's what she said. This is, quote, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I command that these demons release her and come out of her and that she comes to her right mind in Jesus' name. Lawson commanded. Stamatis' facial expression changed. The spirit of the Lord fell into that room, Lawson recalled. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, and then we have a little side note. It says medical versus spiritual. Uh, and so the, the the writer of this article takes us down another path and says symptoms associated with demonic possession, convulsions, hysteria, erased memories can look very similar to symptoms and conditions like epilepsy, schizophrenia, uh, exorcism, rituals, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, they go on there talking about Catholic rituals and, and um, all this stuff and mental illness. And of course, the writer here is like, I can't believe this stuff. There's something, there's got to be more, you know, about this. Um, but they, this one person says, it's hard to quantify how many people have been treated for demon possession in Arkansas or elsewhere. And many religions believe supernatural entities can possess humans. Uh, but the symptoms, treatment, methods of diagnosis vary. In some circles, there's a tendency to see the devil everywhere. Uh, he wrote that some clergy members are not as cautious as they should be in diagnosed possession. And they talk about the Catholic Church. So the writer here doesn't know what to do, but he's got a problem here because he's got a woman who listened to the Spirit of God, went in there, and did what the Lord had sent her to do. Um. Let's see. Uh, they talk a lot about Catholic stuff, which is amazing. Who cares? Um, let's see. Uh, oh, here's one. Demonic possession is not recognized as a medical condition by the American Psychiatric Association. Oh, really? Or the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. Uh, really? No, we'll get back to the story here. Stamatis, 49 years old, said that before she fell and Lawson exercised her, she was diagnosed with a rare chemical imbalance called por, porphyria? Por, mm-hmm. porphyria. Porphyria. You ever heard of that? No. Porphyria. It causes seizures, abdominal pain, nervous symptom dysfunction, and mental confusion. But Stamatis, as a former nurse, still believes she was possessed. Mm-hmm. You know there's a problem. Yeah. People that are harassed by demons know 
the difference. And she's a nurse. She's a many, many vac nurse. She's not an idiot. In the medical world, she says they need to put a name on it. Speaking of possession, they don't understand because they've never dealt with these types of demons. So how are they going to fight against something that you don't know how to fight? Something you don't understand. Lawson shared her sentiment. If most people knew that it was a demon possession thing, they would seek out the help. But it's so hard to convince people that's what's going on. Um, anyway, uh, then they go on to a couple of um, uh, stories about Lawson's, you know, other things. And um, I don't I don't think that's important uh, to read here. But Stamatis' preacher, his name is Monty Cox, and he's the dean of the College of Bible and Ministry at Harding University, says he teaches balance knowing that demons exist and protecting against them while not being distracted by the sensationalized accounts of demon possession in public culture. Cox said he would rather focus on more mundane... <laughs> I love this. I, I'd rather focus on more mundane demonic manipulations such as addiction and violence, stuff that happens. You know what, Cox? Let me, t- let me give you a clue. Pastor, uh, dean of the College of Bible Ministry and ass clownness. Let me give you a friggin' clue. You don't get to choose... Mm-mm. What kind of demons you come against? You don't get to go, well, I would just like to deal with addictions and violence and people like that are addicted to porn and then try to deal with those demons. You don't get a choice. When you're faced with a demon who wants to destroy a family or a person or like this gal, Stamatis, getting her to try to kill herself and put voice in her head, your little dean of college of Bible and ministry and ass clownness falls short. Mm-hmm. Fall short. You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. Who are you going to go to? The gal who prayed for the Pentecostal evangelist or this ass clown? Not the ass clown. I'm going to go to somebody who's a warrior who understands this stuff, who could go in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke you, Satan. Yes. Not somebody who's, who's, I'm trying to teach balance. Balance. This idiot goes on. On one hand, are those infatuated demonic and being drawn into a kind of magic that sounds more faithful than it is? And on the other hand, are those suckered by a modern worldview that says such things don't actually exist? So I'm just going to ride the fence here because I'm a mediocre, lukewarm, Church of Laodicea ass clown. I added that. I know. He said that whether it manifests in the strange phenomena seen in movies and pop culture or through some ordinary darkness like drug abuse and violence... Those who seek demonic influence will find it. Shut up. If you play with the dog, he said, you're going to get bit. Well, that's not necessarily true. What was Stamatis doing? Mm -hmm. She was working as a nurse. I don't see anywhere there where it says she was playing with a Ouija board. She was lighting black candles. In fact, this clown is her pastor. That's probably why she got attacked by demons, because she was under the influence of clownness. Well, I'm getting angry. I know. I'm getting angry. Mm. Catholic exorcisms are reserved for the ordained, blah, blah, blah. Lawson said that she first performed a ritual on a nine-year-old boy and that he levitated. This is Lawson, the Pentecostal Mm -hmm. demon fighter. She first performed a ritual on a nine-year-old boy and he levitated. She said she's seen all kinds of uh, stuff. Um, You know, of course you do. It's, It's very unpleasant. 
Yes, uh, but she says, she goes, it's not pleasant. She goes, it's terrifying. Uh, it was terrifying. She says, but it's what God called her to do. Praise so the Lord. praise the Lord because this gal, she went and prayed for her. And there's a photo of these two. Look at that. Uh, Stamata says she has no recollection of her exorcism, but her family members saw an immediate change in her afterwards. In a recent interview, she said she's mentally healthy and spiritually she's better than ever. Praise God. Stamata said her greatest loss is not being able to go back to work as a nurse. Her paralysis prevents that. See, because mm. the demons got her to... Yeah. But Lawson believes God will intervene and fully heal her. That's what uh, they're praying for. As a nurse, I would not have believed this if it didn't happen to me, Stamata says. I'd say that doesn't happen today, which is a lie. I lived it. Mm. Wow. See, now once again, here you have here you have a story, Miss Kapow, that doesn't quite fit your, you know, doesn't quite fit the Deliverance 101 box. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're always looking, well, her, where's the open door? Where's mm-hmm. the accursed object in this gal's house? Where's it? We don't know. We don't know enough about the story. But this is a weird deal. And this yes. could be something that's just is to bring God's glory. Um, but that's quite amazing. It is quite amazing. Praise the Lord. I'm very happy for her freedom. Yeah. And Bless I, the Lord. And can you imagine? This is a story we, we found. It was actually written by a secular a journalist. Uh, you can imagine the people out there who are brutally attacked right now and don't know. know what to do or how to handle it. Or what it is. Or what it is. Don't even know what it is. The gates of hell. But as a church, uh, they're not going to be able to prevail. Mm-mm. All right, Miss Capel. All right, everybody. Praise the Lord. Ciao, babies.